batting around. It's batting around. It's baseball podcast. Back. I am your co-host, Jane Ost. With me, as always, is Lauren. I'm Lauren. That's Lauren and Steven. You. All right. Welcome back uh, to my co-host here. It's been a while since we've seen each other. It has been. It has been way too long. Ah. Right. The end of the season, the other World Series, not the only the end of the season for, for the players, but... It kind of is for us. We, we <laughs> podcast throughout the entire thing. We're kind of like, you know, workhorses, just like those players are. Yeah, we've got <laughs> off-season stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's maintenance. Like, yeah, and like the players, uh, batting around, uh, unfortunately, also has a very strong union. <laughs> and Lauren and Steven demanded time off for things like holidays and, you know, PTO, even though none of us get paid for this. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to crack down on that as well. Just like I have my class solidarity with these with these owners right now. I'm, we're basically going through the same thing. Are you locking us out? <laughs> Is that why you've gathered us here? We have negotiations that uh, that run through tonight at midnight. But if we don't come to an agreement, then yes, there will be a work stoppage. Okay. Hmm. All right. Uh, I plan to negotiate in good faith. You know, I, I'll, I'll show up for seven minutes and then leave the hotel where we are negotiating. Uh, but that's that's good faith as far as I'm concerned. I feel like I'm, you know, really doing my part negotiating with uh, with you two and your representatives. All I ask, all, all, our only demand is that you give us like one day off a week from editing your other podcast projects. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I edit this one, but I do force my co-host to edit everything else that uh, that I secretly do. <laughs> I guess we can talk about baseball. We should talk about baseball. Yeah. It's been a while since we've done so, and stuff has actually like really happened. It's never then. a better time to clarify that we are we are talking about MLB. We are not talking about baseball. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yep. You're never, right. You're never right. a more important time to make that distinction than right now. That <laughs> baseball is a sport, MLB is a product. That's right. Yeah, and uh, if you know, if we had been recording the last couple weeks, you know, we were kind of stretching for stuff to to talk about. But like now, the the shit has really hit the fan. We have a lockout <laughs> by the owners. First one of those in a while. We have. A ton of players signing. We have a report from uh, our good friend of the show, Bradford William Davis, about how Major League Baseball used two different balls <laughs> throughout the season here uh, without knowledge of the players. So there's there's a good amount of stuff to talk about. Where uh, where, where should we start here? Start. I, I like starting with the balls myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that one out of the way. I, I always feel awkward when I do balls, balls jokes. I'm trying to get rid of mine. <laughs> I have gotten rid of mine, I should say. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a great article. Bradford, um, it's on Business Insider. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, do, do you want to recap it? I read it earlier this morning. I, I had missed it when he first posted it, I think on the 30th. But I read it this morning. It's been a couple hours. Do, do you want to recap it? Did you just read it? Um, All right, here, let's, let's, let's read some, some excerpts from this here. All right. According to a new study by Meredith Wills, Society for American Baseball Research award-winning astrophysicist, the league used two distinct types of baseball, one lighter and deader than the other. 
during the 2021 season by dissecting and carefully measuring hundreds of balls used in 15 major league parks. Wills found that the league did indeed introduce a new ball with a lighter setter as it pledged to do in the February memo. Uh, but she also found that MLB continued to use the older, heavier center ball at the same time, apparently without telling fans, clubs, or players. Yeah, and this this might not sound like that big of a deal, especially when they're talking about how the difference in the center of the ball, like it's how it's how tightly uh, wound the core of the baseball is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's only a few grams difference. Mm-hmm. And she'll talk, and she talks about how there's, or they, Bradford talks about there's two different size or uh, weights of these centers one that's 124 grams thereabouts and one that's 127 and that doesn't seem like a very big deal but it really really is when they uh when you when you look at the the data we have we're in this you know the stat cast era they call it now where we can where we can see these things we can see how much drag (laughs) is on a ball just by measuring it coming out of a pitcher's hand we have probabilities for uh, you know when a, a ball hit how hard with what launch angle, how likely it is to leave a park. And so that little bit really does make a much bigger difference than you'd think. Uh, continuing on, Will's findings could have far-reaching implications for the sport, shattering what little trust and goodwill remains between league, between league officials and players. Uh, whose fortunes rise or fall on minuscule and obscure details like the weight of a ball's center. That really is important right now when we are in the middle of a lockout, when the players and the owners are negotiating over over things like this, uh, and you know there could be a strike next <laughs> the next season. We might miss baseball games uh, because one of the things that the players are saying is that there is a lack of trust mm-hmm. um, between them and the ownership. And Major League Baseball. Yeah, I, I um, uh, one thing I thought was uh, Bradford did a really great job with in the article is establishing that this isn't just a baseball thing. Every a bunch of sports have had these problems of the leagues making uh, odd changes to the to the ball, um, and the players immediately noticing and and knowing what's up, uh, figuring out exactly you know what's wrong with it, and in, in, uh, in a way that like a lay person would never understand. Um, so I think that's why it's like really, um, telling that he talked to all these players. I think he's like, so talked to like 20, 25 something players, most of them off the record because they want to avoid retaliation saying, um, uh, yeah, something, I, I, I felt like something was up every time I was throwing the ball, every time I was watching a ball, leave the park. It, it felt, you know, there were ones that you, you knew shouldn't after a lifetime of, of, of playing the game. Um. Uh, and I think, that, like to your point about it, like it being a difference of one or two grams, um, uh, that that's that that's a really significant change. Uh, and MLB was didn't tell anyone. From the article, Insider spoke with 24 people across uh, MLB, including players, coaches, scouts, and senior front office workers, most of whom reviewed Wills's research. Many requested anonymity for fear of reprisal from the league. They expressed a mix of surprise, alarm, curiosity, skepticism, and frustration with the way MLB had handled production of the baseball. Like, and what you were talking about earlier with basketball, with uh, Tom Brady and Deflategate, you know, those little things do make a huge difference and like this this stuff can 
change somebody's uh, career. So Sean Doolittle talks about it in the article when he, he's quoted mm-hmm. as saying, you know, that these, um, especially like relief pitchers, you know, one one ball leaving the park can change the trajectory of their career. Absolutely. Yeah, if they're throwing 30 or 40 innings and one, one home run, uh, is the difference between like a, a 4 ERA and a 3 ERA sometimes? Yeah, and you should at least know about it. Here's another part from from it. Uh, as for the league's contention that it informed the union, if that's true, it doesn't appear that the information reached the players themselves. None of the 10 players reached by Insider for this story were aware that they had been playing with two different balls. The veteran pitcher, Andrew Miller, a union leader who is deeply engaged in ongoing negotiations with the league over the next contract, said... I'm not sure what we were told, but I'd assume it was nothing. If the balls meet standards, then they would have no reason to tell us anything. And should be said, like these balls do technically meet the standard. They have a like weight tolerance, mm-hmm. whether it's like five and a half ounces or something, you know, uh, or, or is what a ball should weigh. And they have like a little bit of weight tolerance, and it does fall within that. But like as we can see here, like they they can produce really consistent balls like um here like uh, wills explains it uh bradford talks about how wills explains how inside the rawlings balls leather coverings there are batch codes uh little letters that indicate the production week and within those batch codes the the balls are consistent in their weights so they know what they're doing like they (laughs) they know exactly what they're doing here uh, they talk about how in the 2019 season, everyone remembers that the uh, the juiced ball <laughs> controversy season, uh, where you know, their every team was just knocking them out of the park. Twins hit 306 home runs that year, just an absurd number. Yeah, a bunch of teams hit home home run records. Yeah, right. But but as soon as the postseason hit, all of a sudden, those balls that were you know, as they say in the article, you're floating out of the park were dying at the warning track these players don't know when it's coming either uh and so this all just goes towards a real real lack of trust mm-hmm. between the two sides here and, and you can't really say that the standards that they all meet the standards when mlb writes the standards they own the company exactly. that makes the balls they own every single step of the process it, it seems absurd to me to say like I, I don't know. I, I, I thought her actual process for figuring this stuff out was fascinating. She puts them all on a scale at five or six at a time, I believe, and then digs into them and, and looks under the code. And it, it's um, it, it took real work to figure this stuff out. It, it wasn't as simple as just saying, well, it was five and a half ounces. Um, it, there's, there was a level of um, research skill and uh, scientific acumen that was required to really get down to it. And that's the kind of thing that should be the standard if that's you know, it, it, when we're talking about really minute differences like this, uh, really broad weight categorization, like in, in ounces of all things, just doesn't really cut it. No, absolutely not. Especially, especially compared to, you know, uh, sticky stuff, which the league was also happy to crack down on because that was something they could also blame on players rather than themselves, which was a hu- another huge controversy this past season. That's also mm-hmm. a, a minute difference um, measured in... in you know, uh, not grams, but like abstract ideas of, of tackiness uh, and on wholly different scales. It's all super, super minute and detailed here. And it's, it's, I came over with the impression that the standards just need to be radically changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think the players, one of the players in the article also suggested there should be someone 
probably measuring these things through the same process before games. <laughs> They'll probably go a long way after all of the stuff that's been happening with with these balls. Like mm-hmm. people have noticed this happening since you know 2015. And and MLB could release all this data. Yeah, absolutely. They could be upfront about this. Yeah. Well, like everything that the league has said about this, about the balls, has has or has just been proven to be like a lie. <laughs> they mm-hmm. say they've uh, informed the union and the players about these changes. Uh, then it always turns out everyone's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They said that they blamed the COVID-19 production for the reasons that they had, or like that that's why they had to use the two two balls. But they can look at the product codes or the, the, the batch codes and know exactly when it was made. And all of these balls were made before uh, the lo- like lockdowns really happened. Mm-hmm. So... There's there's no reason for these things to to be happening, uh, and, and it just is destroying trust. Uh, some of the players in the article said that like, you know, maybe the maybe they're just like tinkering here, uh, trying to figure out what the right balance is for, uh, you know, a, a fun product to watch on the field. You know, the right amount of offense, whatever. And that's I feel like that's really giving them the the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. because like. If they if they would say that, I mean, and plus they have whole leagues where they play with this stuff, Atlantic mm-hmm. League and the mm-hmm. minors and stuff. It doesn't seem like the ma- major leagues are where they should be doing this. No, and no. and and they have uh, been very explicit and open and, and public about the fact that they are tinkering in these other leagues. Uh, why mm-hmm. would they suddenly stop doing that for this one specific change? I, I totally don't buy that theory at all. No, and it's leading a lot of these players to have more conspiratorial sort of ideas, and I can't blame them for it. Sean Doolittle in the article says, you know, well, you're introducing a lot of gambling into the games now. You know, what's what would stop you from putting your thumb on the scale uh, for you know more offense in one game or less offense in another game if you have these tolerances that let you do this? Mm -hmm. If there's no accountability for that. Like, yeah, if you really want to have all this gambling and stuff in there, how are you going to, like, allow this sort of thing to happen? It's just, like, a huge transparency problem. And, and I don't, for, for the record, I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think that's happening. But when you don't communicate to players, when you don't tell the, the people using the ball what's going on, when, you, when you're totally uh, or effectively mum about this, people are going to assume the worst because you haven't, you know, done the due diligence mm-hmm. of establishing that trust. Another uh, big example of why there is zero trust here going into this CBA negotiation. Uh, so I guess we can talk about that now, huh? Yeah, I guess we have to. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, it's kind of the thing happening. Yeah, there it was. It's a bummer too because we really had like a great week of big, uh, often unexpected free agency signings. There mm-hmm. were teams that come out of the woodwork that I wasn't expecting to spend big and they did. And that's really cool. I love seeing that. I love seeing players get paid. And now this is just going to loom over the sport at least until spring training. I can't imagine it. It it doesn't, it's totally in the owner's interest to bring it as close to the deadline as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to see this go smoothly and easily, but it's all that's going to, we're going to be talking about. No one, no one went anywhere near the luxury tax, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Like all the big, all the big flashy teams that spent a shit ton were absolutely nowhere near it. Like mm-hmm. Texas was 
like basically a minor league team and <laughs> and mm-hmm. now they've signed a bunch of names and now they're going to be a bunch of names on a minor league team <laughs> yeah exactly and well there's like a voice in my head i'm not alone a lot of people have said this like a little voice in my head saying like the reason that all of these big signings happen like i think at least part of it is so that the owners could go into this lockout saying like look at all the money we've spent mm-hmm. And he literally did say that, <laughs> right? And they did that as soon as in the yeah, in, uh, yeah, in, in Manfred's letter about the lockout, he did say that. Like you know, they pointed out, look at all the look at you know, look at Max Scherzer getting one hundred and forty three million dollars or whatever. In the past couple months, they committed more money to free agents than like ever, or some mm-hmm. like some fucking statistic that is very very cherry bad faith. Yeah. I put myself through the psychic damage that were that was required to read that thing, and yeah. oh god, it just made me so fucking mad. I hate him. But so of much. course, a lot of the problems that the players' union are bringing to uh, these negotiations are not about like, oh, there's not enough huge contracts being signed. You know, that's never the problem. It's no. not like we want uh, you know more guys signing. <laughs> Uh, 143 million dollar three-year deals like that's mm. that's not the issue whatsoever a lot of their problems are about you know service time manipulation mm-hmm. uh arbitration issues like stuff that affects the league minimum yeah yeah it's, yeah league minimum stuff that affects the kind of second third fourth tier players in major league baseball mm-hmm. but if the owners can go like yeah look at bryce harper's contract look at you know, Mike Court Trout. Seager. Look at these yeah. guys. Yeah, look at Seager. Look at yeah, look at these guys that we just signed. Look at mm-hmm. yeah, look at Seager. Then they can, I don't know, manipulate <laughs> some the of just least. the dumbest people yeah. and the media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I do think there's also a little bit of like, well, we'll side with the contract we know and the contract we don't know. Uh, like I think there's a chance that they come out of the other side of this deal and suddenly maybe those top players would have gotten a little bit more money uh, if the overall mm-hmm. league minimum was higher. Maybe that brings up the average everywhere else. I don't know. I, I think there's also, I, I think it's uh, first and foremost a PR thing. Um, uh, secondarily, maybe also there's some benefit for them to uh, lock up guys before they know what the contract, whatever it looks like on the other side looks like. Yeah. I think there was a lot of motivation for those, you know, for every free agent here to just get something signed mm-hmm. And I so they for, would know where they were too. going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and for team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because during this lockout, uh, in case you don't know, there's there's not supposed to be any contact between teams and players whatsoever. <laughs> they, you know, they're not supposed to talk to each other at all. They can't use, you know, players can't use team facilities for training or talk to coaches or anything like that. Uh, teams aren't even supposed to talk to each other about trades uh or, or anything like oh, that. Oh, I'm sure they're abiding by that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're they're absolutely abiding by that. Just like they would never collude to to, you know, drive down uh salaries or anything like that. No, Just no, 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 no way. No. If an algorithm happens to suggest that we should trade these guys, well, you know, it's, it's just a computer. Uh mm-hmm. that doesn't count. <laughs> the owners went in with you know, good faith in their negotiations. Uh, you know, yesterday they they spent all of seven minutes before walking out of the negotiation and leaving the hotel uh, where <laughs> negotiations are taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really are committed to making sure that there's no games lost next season. I don't know 
I don't know how the optics of this are going to play out in like the age of big social media and Twitter. Yeah, they're really acting like, oh, we can just do whatever we want and that's fine. And I'm like, well, you guys are, I mean, you're probably still in a better position just because you're the owners. But right. it, they're not in as good of a position as I think they think they are. Yeah. I mean, there's still I, yeah. plenty of people who will say the like, oh, you're, you know, you're you're taking the side of these like rich baby players. Like, there's mm-hmm. still plenty of that, but I feel like that is a position or an idea that is waning over yeah. the years. And I but think a lot of that like has it. been like players be having more direct access to people with social media mm-hmm. and for sure people like our like our friends um who are writing these articles about how fucked up it is that you know mm-hmm. major league baseball is conducting their business in the way that they are and i i think mm-hmm. that players can uh, generate some sympathy i think it was, it was a jameson tyone who was tweeting today about i think somewhat jokingly tongue-in-cheek tweeting about how, like well without the team doctor i guess i can just pop this cast off my leg right oh yeah um, right which i which i don't think he was you know he obviously wasn't serious about that but i think also my understanding, according to what I read in a forum, in a, in a group DM, was that um, uh, they, they still get compensated by MLB for that kind of recovery stuff, even if they don't have access to the same facilities that MLB owns and, and operates. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also going to say, I think a, a key thing that's changed from the 80s and 90s uh, and that lockout is the media landscape they're in. Not just the invention of social media. But there's a lot fewer newspapers with cranky old sports writers who wielded a lot of influence. True. That's true. There just isn't that kind of legacy media ecosystem anymore to churn out hundreds of articles a day about how greedy the players are. All Mm -hmm. owned by, you know, greedy, you know, millionaire newspaper owners. (laughs) It's just a different, um, it's a very different environment from the 80s and 90s in, in a lot of ways. Um. Like, I don't think you could have a, a steroid scandal today like you did then either because that infrastructure doesn't, to spread that kind of message doesn't exist in the same way anymore. It's it's weakened in a lot of ways. And that is good. <laughs> well, <laughs> when it comes to like the real reporting that those newspapers did, not so much. But Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as a side effect, if, if all of the crank news um, sports writers who still get to vote for the Hall of Fame um, are, are mostly gone or retired, uh, eh, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not crying over those guys not getting to wield undue influence over the sport anymore. I'm going to try to not make predictions about what ownership will do, what the players will do. There's so many parties involved with this. There's so many opinions and perspectives mm-hmm. that yeah. we just don't, we will never know, especially on the ownership side where they keep totally silent. This is an incredibly complicated thing that's happening with several billion dollars at stake Mm -hmm. i am not a labor scholar (laughs) i and so like i don't know it's gonna take a while it's big and it's complicated you can you know fire off your tweets or whatever i i feel like uh, someone a few people were mentioning like on the timeline today there's just Mm -hmm. like a lot of people are are going hog wild about this right now it's like this is day one (laughs) like Mm -hmm. this is gonna be this is gonna last for quite a long time and like pro- almost certainly into the season cuz like 
I don't know. I I think that the the 60 game season in 2020 was like the the testing ground for what is acceptable to ownership in a shortened season. I think that like until we get to that point, the owners aren't even going to start sweating. So like it's it's going to be a while. I think it's totally likely. Yeah. It's going to be a while, so we We'll talk, talk about what we know, and we'll try not to talk too much about what we don't know. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, you're not allowed to hold us to this. If, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that um, I can say one week uh, something very rational, and the next week say the most insane <laughs> shit imaginable. Um, so just you can't hold us to that. <laughs> we do reserve the right to spout off as soon as we feel like it. We will be delivering. We will be using this as an opportunity to to deliver on our initial promise. Uh, that we're going to get real fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. We'll get in the mailbag here, so that'll be a good transition because there was a question in there from uh, Nosterfake from the Discord. says, says, uh, we getting any baseball this year? Will this be more or less contentious than the negotiations for the COVID season? Uh, I think we just kind of addressed that. Yeah. Wanted to get that one out there. At Jay Hohos says, should we be paying, to free ag- paying attention to free agency while the CBA negotiations are ongoing? Uh, not really. Mm. We kind of already know everything that we're going to know until mm-hmm. there's a yeah. contract struck. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, congrats on um, Max Scherzer for signing with the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you're, how how do you feel about that, Steven? Oh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like my individual rooting interests are so fucking beaten down and dead at this point that I'm just like, <laughs> honestly, if I didn't have this podcast, I'd probably fall out off entirely. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And everybody mm-hmm. loves Scherzer. Like, yeah, I like Scherzer. I liked him know. when he was a national. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Sure. I still. Th- I don't. I still don't think that. I'm not. I'm still not scared of the Mets because they're still the Mets. But <laughs> good for him for getting like sixty million dollars a year the yeah. next couple years because of those deferred payments from the Nationals too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And and really like uh, I'm I'm always rooting for the funniest possible outcome of signing a huge deal with the Mets and immediately you know he's a hall of famer no matter what if he never pitches again yeah and because it's the mets there's like a i'd say a 30 40 percent chance he never pitches again <laughs> something, <laughs> will go something terrible will happen but he'll be fine just you know yeah he, he won't retire though just insist that you know you're trying to make a comeback that you're rehabbing mm-hmm. like, <laughs> that's you know i shouldn't and just get that money i shouldn't root for uh, any kind of injury for a player so no. maybe it's like I, I don't know. Maybe he gets like long form mono or something funny. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we don't want him to get no, hurt. It's no, just like not. recognizing that it's, the universe. It's, the odds are likelier than if than if than if he had signed with like most, if not any other team. Yeah, true. If if he was if he had signed with Seattle or uh, Cleveland or Los Angeles. I would say uh, the universe would not be conspiring to end him right now. But because of the match, <laughs> the, the primal forces of nature are against him. I also, I, I do appreciate that we found time uh, to have a little lull Mets corner over here. <laughs> when, when, when have we not? It's Yeah, it's... I, the, it's I literally only brought him up because I have this, I have this uh, free agency tracker on my other screen, and he, his was the first name I saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, most of the free agency signings are, like, interesting, or, like, the, the Rangers were a big surprise with Simeon and Seager. 
Yeah, we have a we have a question here from Rachel. What is happening with the Rangers? Why are they trying so suddenly? My conspiracy theory is that like all the owners are like, all right, uh, you get to spend money this year, and this year the Rangers uh, bingo ball came up. <laughs> Just like, oh, you're you're well below the luxury tax, so why don't you go out and spend all this fucking money on these free agents, and then, you know, that means that like we can sit back and not do anything like the Phillies signed Bryce Harper, the Phillies extended JTR real Muto. The Phillies have demonstrated that they can and would like to spend money. However, currently they are very close to the tax, so they are not going to spend Dick on anything. And a lot of it, like the Dodgers are over the tax and they are aggressively shedding. They're just letting guys walk. Yeah. They're just letting people go. And like the Yankees aren't touching anybody. And it's just like, Oh hmm, my God. The Dodgers and the Yankees. The Dodgers and the Yankees Yankees are losing their minds right now. (laughs) Yeah. They have been um, going absolutely insane the last couple weeks. Yeah, what have the, they? They haven't done anything. They haven't done anything. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, weird. No, they've been in talks with a bunch of people, but yeah. Wait, no, hold on. They signed Joely Rodriguez. And they got uh, they brought back um, one of their infielders. Uh, uh, yeah, they they uh, re-signed Gio Rochelle out of six six million one year deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's I'm I'm not. I'm not saying I believe this fully because it is an, a truly insane thing to suggest, but like, I, it does kind of feel like they're all like, okay, you can spend money and you can't, like behind closed doors. <laughs> I I do not think it is that. That's a fun theory, <laughs> but it wasn't that long ago that the Rangers were pretty big spenders. Um, yes, they they're they perhaps they they are perhaps doing the thing we always say teams should do, which is when you have a young core complement it with some veterans spend the money do they really have a young core though uh, they've got some prospects coming up who are like pretty uh, yeah, promising. the roster is still like they added Semyon and, and Seeger, and the roster is still pretty bad that's 10 wins like yeah yeah i know but like it's me... probably 10 wins on like 60 and they also five? play in al west like yeah let me let me they, they, uh, you know i i uh Joey Gallo's gone. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a rough team right now. But I think they've got some good. I have not really looked into it that deeply with the Rangers. Um, I looked into the Tigers a bit more thoroughly because they did kind of a similar thing. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I want to believe that they're doing the right thing because they they are historically they have spent when they thought they could win games. They spent very famously for a shortstop once upon a time. Yeah. And I think the John Gray signing was actually pretty savvy. Um, yeah, I was hoping that the Twins would pick him up. Yeah, I, I want to believe that the Rangers that this pays off for them. I, I'd love to see the Ran- I I don't hate the Rangers. I'd love to see them do well. Yeah, I'd like to see them unseat the Astros or anybody unseat the Astros. Really, absolutely. Yeah, I am a fan of literally any AL West team that can de- dethrone the Astros. Definitely not going to happen for the A's. The who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Las uh, Vegas uh, Athletics. I super don't want to talk about them. Let's yeah. go to the next <laughs> it's, question. It's such a bummer. Uh, let's see. Which question should we do next? Uh, da, 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 da. Let's keep it with the lockout here in the negotiations. Dwindleton on the Discord says, uh, why do you think the MLBPA is opposed to a salary floor? 
Is it simply because it has been leveraged alongside a lower luxury tax threshold? And do you think they'd be agreeable to a floor if it came with a higher luxury tax? What do you see as the pro-con salary floor? I, I think there's just no way the ownership ever agrees to a floor without a, a ceiling. And the yeah. players rightfully <laughs> should hold on to um, putting off a ceiling for as long as possible. Yeah, a, a salary floor on its own. I've, they'd take that in a second, but that's mm-hmm. literally never going to be offered to them. No. So yeah. why, why get there it? would be something else absolutely horrible attached to that, mm-hmm. like we saw earlier, uh, like in, I think towards the end of the summer when these when you know the teams were or the players and the ownership were kind of going back and forth, and you know they suggested this I think alongside the uh, uh, universal free agency at twenty nine and a half thing. So yeah. I think it's just it's just too big of a chip. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's not worth it's not worth it it's not worth it for that at all. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, trading Mike Trout. Yeah, like, yeah. No, it's a good analogy. Yeah. In, yeah. in order to get Mike Trout, you would have to give up like too so much that it wouldn't be worth it to have Mike Trout. Yeah, the the, the value package required. Yeah, yeah, is is too astronomical to even really talk about in real terms. Frivolous. Is constant defensive switches between starts for starting players more common now than in the past, i.e. Chris Bryant playing third, left, center, right, depending on the day this year? I can't tell if this has always been a thing or if it's because I grew up watching the Yankees and Jeter was always at shortstop, A-Rod at third, etc. Yeah, it's definitely a more common thing these days. You watch a team like the Dodgers for the last couple of years and they've kind of been built around this sort of thing like looking for players that you know not only have a good bat but are defensively versatile uh it's it's very common and especially you see in american league teams uh in the last couple of years and we'll probably see it across the league if we get universal dh is using kind of the dh as like a a, a break you know like kind of like it's almost like a half a day off mm-hmm. for players so that, you know like all right don't we don't need you to stand out in the outfield one day you can just hit like instead of having a dedicated DH, like, yeah, having having this versatility is has been a pretty big deal. Absolutely, and I lately. think I think you can uh, the 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 fastest way to identify how much of a bigger deal it is 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 uh, Chris Taylor just got uh, yes. sixty million over four years. Uh, Chris Taylor, who's who's a great player, uh, who puts up who's put up uh, two to three ish wins uh, the last couple of years um, uh, through traditional WAR metrics with the WRC plus and like the one ten ish. Uh, range he kind of popped off in 2020 but like he's not a slogger um he, he doesn't put up numbers uh, with the bat that are more than 15 30 percent 50 to 20 percent better than the league average but you wouldn't know that if you'd only watched him in the playoffs though yeah that's true <laughs> yeah it's just amazing playoff heroics yeah but... he had a, he had a really hard second half I, I believe but um but the numbers on the page don't jump out and, to, and it's really the, the fact that like he can play anywhere any day uh that that makes him as valuable as he is to, the, to that team. And every team now wants a guy like that. Kike Hernandez is another one. Same, same yep, kind of exactly. deal. Yeah, Dodgers just produce tons of these guys. <laughs> it's true. They kind of, it's their thing. Yeah, even, you know, guys that are like their first baseman. Like, you, you used to see Max Muncy play kind of all around the diamond too. You know, not at shortstop, but you'd see him play first, second, and third quite a bit. Cody Bellinger, another great example of a prospect who came up as a first baseman guy, and now he's one of the better center fielders in the NL. Uh, Let's see. Bumpus Jones Enjoyer. Do you think Scott Boris has a writer, or does he come up with uh, his puns and one-liners on his own? 
I definitely think he's doing it as on his own. 100%. They're not yeah, very 100%. good. They're not they're not good enough to be from a yeah. writer. <laughs> no, yeah, they yeah. they are frequently uh pretty incoherent when you think about them for more than about 2 seconds. I think it's the opposite of the a writer not being um being too good. I don't think a writer could do it. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a professional writer couldn't impl- couldn't capture that voice, that authenticity. It's not no. It's pure. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right, then we got a couple of non-baseball questions here. We know they're going to be bad. I feel like... <laughs> One, okay, well, okay. You think you're going to be surprised. Uh, at Philly Pitchers, which album y'all like better, Silk Sonic or T-Swift Red Redux? Didn't listen to either of them. Yeah, sorry. Neither have I. <laughs> I, had to, I had to look up what Silk Sonic is. It's like a Bruno Mars thing or something. Nope. We're in our 30s, no man. Like... Yeah. I've I've been really into the Beatles documentary. That's my level. <laughs> that was pre- that was really good. I am not a Beatles enjoyer, uh, but that was really good. There was I thought it was a little too long at times, but uh, it's very it was, much like it a was very enjoyable. Movie. Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. for sure. I'm not like the biggest like I'm not like a Beatles hardcore um, fan. I've you know I, I've listened to all the albums uh, a couple of times, of course, um, but I, I'm not like a Beatles head by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I was fascinated by by, by that. Um, the rooftop concert footage was mm-hmm. brilliant. The uh, all the stuff with like the cops in the lobby, just like getting getting the runaround and getting stalled, mm-hmm. was very funny. That was like some of the funniest stuff I've I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. My inability to name more than like ten Beatles songs off the top of my head would would shock and disgust probably most of the people listening to this. No, no, it's, it's fine. You don't, no one has to like, no one has to love the Beatles. Um, it's no. not that I don't love them. It's just like, I've never really listened to them and never really cared to. Yeah. It's the same thing. as like with these albums with Bruno Mars and Taylor Swift. Like it's just not yeah. I, the songs that I've heard. I've enjoyed. Yeah. But not enough to seek out the rest of it. After I watched the get back, I was like, you know, I've been kind of a Beatles hater. Like, I've always said, you know, there's a couple of their songs that I like, but, you know, oh, maybe I'll go give them another chance. And I, like, went through some of their albums. Like, no, I still hate most of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> most of John's stuff just absolutely sucks. And then you hit a Ringo song, and it's the dumbest <laughs> shit you've ever heard in your life. Uh, like, absolute garbage. Well, that's uh, like a Most funny, of yeah. Paul's stuff does suck, too. But, what? like, there's a handful <laughs> of songs I really like, but... That's yeah, a funny like, takeaway from the documentary I've seen a bunch of people say now is that, like this is really just like okay I have to admit Paul was the best Beatle. <laughs> yeah. He was really yeah. the one who like kept pulled this thing together. He's the only one who really gave yes. a shit at times. I got to say too uh he was so hot in this documentary too. <laughs> With the beard. Oh my yeah. god. With the the beard and that hair like he was unbelievably hot mm-hmm. in this and he just like has always any any period outside of that facial hair hair configuration, <laughs> he is like goofy as fuck looking, but like extremely extremely hot during this. All right, fine, I'll check it out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Similar question at Art Enjoyer Six. Did you guys hear the new They Might Be Giants album? Uh, no, I have not Sorry. listened to They Might Be Giants for a long Sorry. time. I do my, like them. My but New Year's I, resolution yeah. next year is going to expand my musical literacy, and I'm going to be doing a, a new album every week uh, to try and familiarize myself more with music I don't normally listen to. So that's a good uh, call. Mm-hmm. Ask more of these next year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I I, I tried a similar thing to Stephen, but if I do, it will 
not be Taylor Swift and Bruno Mars. It will be music no. that's not for white girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, all of the most embarrassing gaps in my musical knowledge are like hip hop related. Um, and that's what I've spent the last couple of years trying to catch up on and, and fill. Here's the one I think you were expecting. Eight, seven, and ten. Not really a question. Uh, Jane, Star Trek Discovery, go off. Uh, yeah, I think that this is <laughs> Star Trek Discovery is a disgusting show full of war criminals uh, and just the most cynical, terrible people that have ever, uh, you know, cast of characters that have ever been on a <laughs> Star Trek show. Uh, I think it's a disgusting show <laughs> that I frequently uh got really angry watching <laughs> i don't want to get angry watching a star trek show but like i was just like aghast in horror at some of the stuff that these starfleet like officers do like planting bombs on uh bodies of <laughs> oh, of klingon soldiers uh just committing tons and tons of war crimes all the time uh the, just the brutality of the show is just not what i want mm-hmm. in star trek <laughs> like um just snapping necks you know (laughs) like absolutely brutal shit uh it just did not feel good because i finished my uh ds9 rewatch which was great god like the last season was so much fun it was so good and then so fun to rewatch again but then like i went into star trek discovery and just like it left a bad taste in my mouth watching that show that's valid i i i um i think i said on the show a couple weeks ago that i was like a little more into it and i mm-hmm. there were just moments that i felt like well yeah this feels kind of like star trek but a lot of it's undermined by um everything else and i i was just yeah. in a I, I have been in a place now where i just i just want new star trek to watch that's good the lower decks was like a taste of something that was like really cool yeah. and, and, and and good and I, I wanted more of that i did like lower decks uh when i watched that because like yeah it's like a goofy little cartoon but like <laughs> the people on that show still felt like starfleet yeah characters you know they weren't there just like being bloodthirsty (laughs) like looking for just like open war like constantly didn't care for discovery at all won't won't be watching anymore that's valid your 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 feelings Uh, on star trek discovery are valid and then the last thing we got here uh dwindleton this is a comment from our discord uh thanks for providing all the wonderful content. It really was a lighthearted experience at times when I really needed it, and I'm happy to be here. Uh, referring to the Discord community. Everyone is super kind and I feel really blessed to be part of this silly little internet community. Aww. So Aww. yeah, just a nice nice little comment I thought we'd end it on here. So thank you for that, Dwindleton. Yeah. Appreciate it. And then there that's and that's also, another plug yeah. for our Discord. And also, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very welcome happy that you're having a good time in there definitely also um uh, directly above that dwindleton mentioned that we were in their uh spotify wrapped <laughs> oh cool uh so shout out to dwindleton and also any of you who for whom we have appeared in your spotify wrapped thank you yeah, for listening yeah. kind of neat we're we're very happy that uh our our names popped up next to like some crappy joke about an NFT or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, this is what you're you're listening to when you were chatting to your bay or whatever mm-hmm. weird yeah. dated crap. <laughs> oh, that's way that. that's way out of date. <laughs> yeah, good episode. That was fun. Uh, it was it's fun good to hanging be back. Out with you guys, again. getting our we're sea like, legs yeah. again. Yeah, good to be back. 
Uh, and we will be back on Monday again with regular episodes. Uh, there will be times where we take a week off here during this offseason, especially if there's yeah. a lockout. Yeah, uh, but you know, we I'm, should be back again on Monday. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Uh, if you're like an interesting, cool, baseball-related person and you listen to the show, uh, reach out. You can be on the pot. We don't like yeah. messaging people. We're all weird and shy and it's <laughs> awkward to ask. Just invite yourself on. It's fine. We'll do it. Yeah, go for it. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you in just a couple of days because it is late in the week. All right. Bye. Bye.